Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation! Woo! I'm so excited, Dan. As Captain Jean-Luc Picard takes control of the USS Enterprise D, his new crew is put to the test by the mysterious Q. From September 26th, 1987, it's season one, episodes one and two, Encounter at Farpoint, or, well, who the hell are all these people? <laughs> oh, God. I'm Cam. That's Dan. And we are the Meh Generation. It's finally here. 13 months later and 99 episodes of this show. And we have finally arrived at our namesake, the next generation, Cameron. The reason you wanted to do this in the first place. And it's it's beautiful because this is our 100th episode. So our 100th episode, <laughs> our 100th real episode. Mm-hmm. I should clarify. We do have a zero episode where we explain what this is. We have a zero episode and we have a captain's log because shit happens and we have the holiday special, which doesn't right. count, but it's awesome. So this is our hundredth episode. Cameron, Cameron, Cameron. Brand Cameron, new Cameron, generation. Cameron. The holiday special is just beta canon. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think my t shirt needs to read no, it's not being a cannon. It's cannon cannon. We just need to fill in our head cannon between ba- between cannon cannon. <laughs> you got your cannon cannon. You got your beta cannon. You got your head cannon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is a direct quote from last episode. Huzzah. Anyway, I would just like to start by saying, what do you think of the Enterprise D, Dan? Um, she's pretty. She's real pretty. She's beautiful. Yeah, I'm excited to spend more time in her hallways. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I kind of love hate that she's carpeted. <laughs> she's carpeted and lots of mobs. Yeah, she's she's real carpeted. Uh, she's got uh, technology has moved forward, but it's not uh, like a hundred years after Kirk's five year first five year mission. Are we sure? <laughs> um, but uh, I like the new uniforms. Um, for the most part, they do raise a lot of questions. <laughs> um, well, I can't wait to talk about uh, yeah, that. Yeah, the, the new rank system is a little more effective on the collar than the, the cuffy cuffs. I agree. Um, and we get an extra kind of... We get an extra kind of lieutenant, which I love. Yeah, I think... I'm. I thought the exterior, the first couple exteriors, I was like, "That's some rough CGI." But then they did the whole docking, undocking thing, um, and that looked fantastic. So I'm. Uh, ILM. <laughs> I, I think the, and and having two bridges. I mean, it it it's filled in some some gleeful, canagogical stuff that made me made me happy. Um, while, uh, the overall episode was of two minds, there was, there was a lot going on here. There was, um, oh my God, Dan, it was literally of two minds. Yeah, there's, there's some, there's some questions I have about, uh, what Q's actual test was, (laughs) but we'll figure it out as we go. Cameron. So much happened. We met so many people. I can only assume that your summary of this episode is a novella. You know, I tried to keep it simple, especially since I prepared it just in case we did this as either one or two episodes. Because, <laughs> you know, I like to be prepared. Well, considering um, IMDb and um, a- and Netflix have said retroactively, we're not doing this in two parts, you putts this yeah is it's not even imdb they 
they showed it as two as a two-part episode but ever since then it's always been it was edited into one gigantic episode gotcha gotcha because most of the other two-parters are at the end of a season and the beginning of a season because ah. they're assholes. <laughs> Don't you dare ca- cancel us, CVS. That's what they were saying. We learned. <laughs> we learned from the first series. Yep. You yep, want to know did. what happens, CBS executive? Don't you? Don't you? <laughs> you remember how pissed those nerds you were? think this song is about you? Um, the other interesting thing about this is that it was just sponsored by Paramount. It was not, it just immediately went into syndication. There was no network that owned this. Each station around the country bought it individually. Really? Yeah. And it was phenomenally successful. Huh. Not after the, I mean, it took a while, <laughs> but they were an entire independent organization and still managed to become one of the most watched TV shows of the 80s and 90s. Wow. Yeah, right? So that's something to look forward to. We do have season one to get through, though. Well. And fuck me. We'll, uh. It's we'll rough. See what happens, but as long as, yeah. uh. As long as Riker keeps making fuck me eyes at everybody and, uh. And he's and, gonna. <laughs> and Picard continues to kind of be an asshole, I think I'm gonna be on board. <laughs> He's not an asshole. He's just snarky. <laughs> he has no fucking. It's like they made McCoy the captain and then made the first officer the man pretty pansexual fuckboy. And then yes. they uh they threw in a an android because they're like, uh, we need a Spock. And it's like, well the We need a Spock. Well, this, this lady's kind of mystical and she's half of something else. Does that count? It's like, nah, she's too emotional. She's too. She's not logical, matter of fact enough. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I feel like I feel like McCoy in this episode ordained Data as a Vulcan. <laughs> I feel like he it like did. gave him his racist ass blessing as you are now a Vulcan <laughs> in my eyes. He did, but yeah, I think I think Deanna Troy actually came from the long tradition of psychic cats that we learned from in the animated series <laughs> they're like those were fun yeah, right? let's let's incorporate one of those on the crew speaking of which deanna was supposed to have three breasts and shut up <laughs> she was and one of our dear writers said absolutely not go fuck yourself <laughs> oh god anyway all right summary summary sorry we're getting ahead of yes. ourselves in 2364, the newest flagship of the United Federation of Planets, Starfleet's USS Enterprise D, a top-of-the-line galaxy-class starship, travels to the planet of Deneb IV for its maiden voyage and to boldly go where no one has gone before. See? Already more woke. So many other problems, but a little more woke. <laughs> Enterprise is to open relations with the simple Bandy people, who have somehow been able to tap immense energy reserves and construct the technologically advanced Farpoint Station, much to the surprise of the Federation. The crew is tasked with snooping to find out how. We meet our dear Captain Picard, Lieutenant Data, Lieutenant Worf, Lieutenant Commander and Ship's Counselor Deanna Troy, and Chief of Security, Lieutenant Tasha Yar. En route, the Enterprise is met by an omnipotent being who, who identifies himself as Q, a member of the Q Continuum. The mysterious and powerful being denounces the human race as barbarians and challenges the crew of the Enterprise to disprove his belief. Picard defends himself and mankind by explaining that unlike Q, humans have learned not to persecute or judge things they don't understand. Snap. Hearing the words prosecute and judge, Q announces that he knows humans all too well and leaves the Enterprise in a blinding flash stating that preparations must be made. After separating the saucer to protect the families on board, Picard stays behind to face Q. Suddenly, the ship begins to take be, uh, the ship begins shaking as it did when Q first appeared. After a bright flash of light, Picard, Data, Troy, and Tasha find themselves in the 21st century in a courtroom. When the bailiff announces the judge, the crew is shocked to find Q posing in appearance as a grand inquisitor. 
If Picard and his crew are not persuasive in their arguments, they will be sentenced to death and declares that humanity is being put on trial. Deciding their actions in the upcoming mission will be used to judge their worthiness and determine the fate of their race. Before letting the ship resume its course, Q warns Captain Picard that he is destined to fail. And part one. While orbiting Denob 4, Picard is introduced to his new first officer, Commander Riker, and the rest of his crew. As they begin to investigate the station, they are startled by seemingly magical qualities of the planet when one's wishes becomes reality. Lieutenant, uh, Commander Crusher, our new chief medical officer, gets a bolt of fabric that she kind of likes but wasn't perfect. And then all of a sudden it's perfect and tacky and so 1987. And she's like, I'll take it. I'll take the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Give it to me. Give it to me. Wesley, I'm going to make vests out of it. So many vests. For you. No, no, no. Uh, Wesley needs clearly needs a different sweater. We're going to talk about that later. God damn. <laughs> hey, all of this shit is totally in mm. right now because it's been that long. 30 years. Yikes. 30, th 32, mm -hmm. almost 33. No. Anyway, we interact a lot with the crew and see our dear Admiral McCoy. Ugh. Riker manually reconnects the Enterprise. Data tries to whistle. Wesley, we see being a brilliant dumbass slash teenager. And Picard makes an ass of himself around children, is front of his dead, breast dead best friend's former wife. <laughs> Yay! It's gonna be a good time. Can you just tell? I can tell. Picard meets with the bandy host, Groppler Zorn, played by Michael Bell, and is not satisfied as his betazoid counselor, Deanna, consents only pain and loneliness and suffering and a powerful mind. Never a good sign. Never a good Was she sign. just describing Star Trek fans? <laughs> <laughs> no. Pain, loneliness, How dare you? and a brilliant mind? Come on. <laughs> I mean... You give me low-hanging fruit, he... Cameron. I'm going to want to make jam. <laughs> I know. That's, I'm, I walked right into it. I'm not even mad. Ah, <laughs> uh, so he sends an away team to explore and the crew discover a strange labyrinth, labyrinth, labyrinth beneath the station. But Zorn does not offer an explanation because he's kind of a whiny little asshole. I don't know what this is accomplishing. As the Enterprise crew continues its explorations, a large unknown <laughs> alien spacecraft that looks like a purple butthole begins to fire upon the older Bandy settlement near Farpoint Station and abducts Zorn. Before Picard orders the ship's phasers to be fired at the craft, Q appears and reminds him of humanity's trial and prompts Picard to send an away team to the alien craft. The away team discovers the craft has passages similar to those under Farpoint, and they are able to free Zorn. Their actions cause the alien craft to transform into a jellyfish-like space creature. A giant fucking jellyfish-like space creature. And Picard is able to deduce the mystery of Farport Station. He confirms with the apologetic, apologetic Zorn that the Bandy found a similar life form injured on their planet. And, while caring for it, also exploited its abilities to synthesize matter to create the Farpoint Station. The creature, now in orbit, is trying to help free its mate by attacking those who hold it captive. Though Picard goads, I mean, though Q goads Picard into punishing the bandy, Picard refuses, instead ordering the Enterprise to fire a vivifying energy beam onto the Farpoint station after it's evacuated. The beam allows the land-bound creature to transform back into its giant fucking jellyfish-like form, and it flies into orbit to join its mate. And it's adorable. As the crew watches the reunion of the alien creatures, Q reluctantly tells Picard that they have succeeded in their test, but hints that they will meet again. After assisting the reunion of the estranged aliens, the crew learns that it has passed Q's test. Relieve, they head off for their... Relieve, duh. They head off for their next mission. And so ends an encounter at Far Point. Also, also, there so was a brief cameo. And so bad. <laughs> there was. I meant I mentioned the cameo. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm dumb. I'm probably dumb. 
you're not dumb. Uh, my favorite part about that cameo is that uh, Gene took our dear DeForest out to lunch and it was expecting him to say no. And then Dee not only said, I would love to and be honored, but I'm only going to take SAG scale pay Aww. because I want to do it as a favor to you and to all that you've done for me. So it's literally just the perfect send off. Well, I'm sure. It's DeForest Kelly's the fucking I'm sure we'll see him again in generations, but. <gasps> Shut up. Don't you tell me this is the last I'm going to see of DeForest Kelly. Airbird? I was not emotionally prepared for that. Well, I guess I'm going to have to rewatch this pilot 16 times. Fuck. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I mean, he. He does appear in another episode in a different oh. series, but it's stock footage. Wow. Well, that ah. this was his this was his last television appearance before he died. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, okay. So he just never did TV again. He was too busy with the Star Trek movies. Got it. No, this was filmed in 1987, and Star Trek. I mean, Undiscovered yes, Country came true. out in '91. Unless he's a... T That's <gasps> Is DeForest Kelly a time traveler? Oh. I wish. Because then he'd still be oh. here. <laughs> um, But yeah, no. This was his last television appearance before he passed away in 99. Gotcha. Or was it 97? <sighs> God damn it. Anyway, he's the fucking best, and we love him. Well, Cameron. Yes. We've got a whole new crew. <laughs> we do why are you laughing just because <laughs> they are so new and so different and yet so similar and i just know where it's going so that's why i'm laughing well the the because it brings the archetypes me are there um they've they they kind of meet our expectations as far as the types of people we're expecting um which is good i think that it's not too it's not too jarring um my the the major like glaring lack and I'm sure this will be revealed later so don't say anything but like I'm like who the hell is in charge of engineering because someone has to be like my bairns you know it's important <laughs> it is important so <laughs> my bairns, my bairns. <laughs> A beautiful parents. Yeah. No, things change a lot in the first and second season, and you will see. Okay. It's finding it's it's becoming that which will be so fondly remembered. And there's gonna be some yes. there's gonna be some growing pains because years and years and years Oof. ago I watched the first season and a half of this. No, I watched the first season and was like, This is what everyone's so excited about. <laughs> this is what quote defined my childhood. I'm like, um, you might have had a shitty childhood. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I actually tell people the same thing about this show that I do about Parks and Rec. The first season's rough. You have to make it through it. And then when you watch it again, because you will watch it again, the first season will seem charming and worthwhile. But getting through the first season is rough. All right. Well, I've been so warned. Cameron, what did you love about this episode? I loved so many things. I love that we got to finally meet the D. She is my favorite design. She's beautiful. Even the mauve. <laughs> I, I hate mauve, but I don't mind it on the Enterprise. Um, I love the new console designs and the giant bridge. I love that this ship is three times the size of the original Enterprise and has families on board. And has precautions to handle that, <laughs> just in case shit hits the fan. I love the new warp scale. I love the new warp core. I love all of the sets. I love getting to meet these new characters and their cute little building moments. I... <laughs> I loved and hated the writers for this episode. <laughs> yeah, um... Definitely, definitely feels like Be writers, <laughs> multiple. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's literally the best and the worst of the original series. DC Fontana and Gene Roddenberry. 
Oh well, it's good to it's good to have a DC Fontana script in front of us. It's terrible to have a Gene Roddenberry script in front of us. <laughs> Which is why this is so hit or miss. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I want who invented Q? DC or Gene? Gene. Really? Well, good job, Gene. You yeah. big idea bloke. Credit where credit is due. <laughs> but. But. <laughs> but... <laughs> As far as the test. Ah. Well, there we go. You ever take a test and it feels like the teacher doesn't know the answer? Yeah, that was <laughs> it's kind of my impression here. You're so close to figuring <laughs> it out. Are you? <laughs> Are you? That's Gene's brand. <laughs> <laughs> Ambiguity is not always insightfulness. <laughs> but yeah, DC also said... Absolutely not. Go fuck yourself. Counselor Troy is not having three breasts. Nobody on this fucking crew is having three breasts. Stop hanging out with Bill Shatner and grow a set, Gene. God damn it. Try to grow three. <laughs> grow an extra yeah, right? one. You know, just Well what if what what if one of the what if one of the boy aliens has three balls? Will that make it okay? <laughs> no, Gene. Go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. Um what else did what else did you love? I just, I love this crew, and I love the introduction. It feels a lot like the motion picture where we're getting the gang back together. For me, because I know this gang so well, but you don't. So, what did you love about it? I loved the new opening of this series. The long pans through the planets. I accidentally pressed skip opening credits on Netflix and was like, no, no, go back. Because I, I was like, I have to watch this. He does a great voiceover. Um, I love the opening shot of him in silhouette mm -hmm. there. And then him him walking through his rather cramped engineering room. I was like, that. I, it's it's more inspired by the motion picture. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's a very small right, portion of the, the engine warp room. Core there's the portion. Yeah. Um, but there's a whole other big room that everyone works in. Also, Warp Core would be a great name for a beach body workout. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> Welcome to Warp Core. Today we will be exercising your abdominal muscles. I am Commander Data. <laughs> Are you ready to sweat? Uh, fascinating. Um, yeah, a Data imitation is going to be a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> as I was as I was watching this, I was like, whose voice am I going to enjoy the most? I have a feeling in the long run it's gonna be Worf. <laughs> yep. Oh absolutely. Commander. <laughs> captain, I am a Klingon. I cannot leave leave my captain as he goes into battle. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah, we're getting we'll, there. we'll work on it. We got time. We got time. It's gonna take me like four seasons. <laughs> that one's that one's gonna be Worf's gonna be fun. Data's gonna be easy. And Troy is just gonna be terrible. <laughs> I I loved um I loved how they segmented our crew introduction. Um yeah, because that really was nice. that was clever writing as a way that we weren't overwhelmed. I liked that we were off to the races. I, I actually took a note, great first act break. Like when they first cut to commercial, they had set up stakes, they'd introduced part of the crew, but they hadn't gone like you didn't know everybody's name at that point. Um, which was fine. I didn't need it spoon-fed to me. Um, I loved that there's a Klingon on the bridge. So I controversial. Um, Q's powers were interesting. I liked how he was hopping from point in time to point in time and changing his vernacular and changing everything about himself as he presented himself to humanity. Um, I I guess I I understand that he like didn't want them to go further into unexplored space, but I was like, aren't they on their way to just like a place they already know though? So I don't whatever. That was fine. Well, I mean, it was supposed to be implied that it's the very edge of known space, and so they were going to continue on gotcha. after. Gotcha. Um I, I I liked his performance a lot. Um I love John Delancey. He is a remarkable human no actor. he was uh <clears throat> it's a good foil especially because you can have the the silliness of old trek 
while grounding it in something outside of our comprehension, which makes, I was like, see, this is how you will do the whole ancient stuff of like, what if we put the crew in the Wild West? Well, it's a Q scenario, or it's a, it's a messed up holodeck program. Great. They've built in story mechanics that are so much easier to swallow than a planet that <laughs> developed just like Earth, because I swear to God. Uh, so that I could see them, I could see them doing a lot of groundwork here. Um, we got real broad strokes of characters. We've got an empath um, in Troy with actual psychic powers, like actual telepathy, mm-hmm. but only with Riker. I was like, oh man, cannot wait to dig into that backstory. Um, and uh, I liked Riker a lot. I was like, okay, he's like a muted Kirk. I like mm-hmm. it. I was like, he seems he's he's adventurous. He's rugged. He's handsome. He's Charming. Charming. Definitely scoping out talent. He's like, new ship, new <laughs> ship. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but still like still a Starfleet officer. He's still like I his his exchange with Picard about not letting his previous commanding officer go down to the surface of a planet where he's like, I I will do everything uh my commanding officer asks of me but it stops when I'm putting them in danger or letting them put themselves in danger because that is my job. Number 1 is to look after and take care of the captain. Um so I I I liked setting that up. So I'm like, good, Riker's going to be the away team guy. Great. That handles so many of my problems from the original series. <laughs> of like, quit letting right? the captain go down all the time. Stop it! You're leaving Chekhov in charge. That's irresponsible. Um. Uh, I like the setup for uh, his relationship with uh, Doctor Crusher, and there, the the fact that these people are arriving on this ship with a long military career, and some backstory and baggage for at least four characters. That they do that in the pilot while setting up a moral quandary and their greatest foil. This accomplishes a lot in an hour and a half. It It, does. I could see a retooled version of this just being a movie. Like if you stripped away some elements and focused more on on other ones, if it was just the Q stuff, um, you could do a really good movie here. Um, I loved the separation of the saucer from the uh, warp core section. Right? Isn't it beautiful? Um, the test of having Riker manually dock seemed weird to me, where I was like, that's just a strange choice. Also, it seems kind of impossible, but that's fine. Um, and I I liked that we still had someone on the... I liked Tasha Yar, how reactionary she was, and how like ready for a fight... Um, and when she, you know, said to Q, you should get down on your knees to what Starfleet is, what it represents. And he was like, I stare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tasha's, Tasha's backstory is really fascinating too. When she, when she punched out the, uh, the guard with the gun or the bailiff and just kicked his ass. All, all I could say was Yar Queen, Yar Queen, Yar. Um, <laughs> Fine, right? Shh, I'll edit that out. They have to think we just thought of that. <laughs> uh, I, I liked making use of the android of him, like just opening his mouth and repeating uh, the audio recording of what they had previously said. I was like, okay, which we'll data is useful. Data is useful. Um, He's very useful. He's a good guy to have around. And the the switch from Picard to Riker's POV about midway through um, and getting into his personal log made us feel like this is going to be a two-hander. This is very much going to be about a captain and his first officer and not the way the previous series was. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) I mean, I just wasn't quite getting those vibes yet. I was getting some vibes. There were definitely some vibes. Um but it was Picard for Crusher, 
Riker for Troy, and Riker for Data? After the destruction <laughs> yep. and the down on the planet's surface, and they're, they cut to laying down covered in dust. And Riker slowly <laughs> get up. Okay, now Data, just sit up. And the and when he goes, are you undamaged? And Riker gives him some real ooh eyes, like <laughs> hello. You just stand right at attention, don't you? <laughs> Do other things behave right? like man? That? <laughs> you're just uh, ready to go at all times. Um, I'm Woo. interested to see why Data wants to be human. I'm like, what does a machine see appealing about the human condition? Um, that's going to be interesting for me. Um. And it is. Uh, Worf's warrior culture was just a brief passing line, but seeing that play out. Um, <laughs> and just, I mean, singing a Klingon as a Starfleet officer, you know, so Klingon, but so perfectly contained. <laughs> Captain, permission to clean up the Yeah, bridge. that was a great line. There were some, there were some good lines. Uh, the new beam-up effect looks really nice. <clears throat> right? It's beautiful. Um, Made by putting glitter in a tub and filming it. Uh, it had nothing to do with the entire episode, but the the McCoy cameo just warmed my cold little heart. <laughs> I know. <sighs> it's the best. What's so troublesome about not having died? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, just the fucking best. Talking about getting his atoms strewn all over space. <laughs> Why didn't he just beam Still over? Still in the oh, fight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Luddite. Uh, I think. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but when he said, "You treat her like a lady, and she'll always bring you home," I was like, "Oh, he's passing the torch. He's saying here, just, just take care of this ship." But where's Scotty? Where's Scotty to tell an engineer, you take care of my fucking ship or I'll kick your ass. They're like, this shares absolute this doesn't share a single atom with your previous ship. And he's like, I don't care. It's got the name, damn it. It's got the name. Um yeah, the the Riker and Troy past was a nice hit. Uh I'm interested to see what betazoids are like and if they're as I don't want to say useless, but burdened. <laughs> If there is burden oh, as she damn. appears. I, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but very soon we will get to meet Deanna Troy's mother. And she is one of my favorite characters ever. Not just in Star Trek. Oh, very Ever. Cool. And she is played by our beloved Magil Bear ah. Roddenberry. Uh, the holodeck was fun to see and setting up the rules of that was great. Um, great uh, data line in that, but I'll save that. Um, Wesley is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Already. Wesley, Wesley Already you appreciate. Uh, oh my God. One of my favorite things on planet beaming. I am so stoked that they were able to beam part of the away team over to meet up with another part of the away team. I was like, thank right? you. That is such a logical <laughs> use of your technology that you never, ever did. And I, that that made me very happy. I was like, finally. <laughs> it only took them 20 years to figure it out. Yep, it did. Um, but there really is more of an appreciation of science. Yeah. <clears throat> and not so much in this episode, but in this series. Uh, and I think... Yeah, I think I, I also liked I, I, I like Picard so far. I don't have a great read on him as a captain yet because this was a very specific and extreme circumstance and we're getting the band together. I hope he stays this gruff. If he softens too much, I'm not gonna be a fan. <laughs> if he gets real <laughs> hand holdy and nice, I want him I want him yelling at people. I like I like Picard yelling to get shit done. Ah, Cameron, Cameron, Cameron. What, 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 yes, what, Dan. Uh, what didn't you like about this, about this two-part spectacular? Well, I mean, there are some things that just, 
in the show have not aged well. There are some, I mean, it's still, for its time, very ahead, but I just, I... <laughs> Say it. <sighs> oh, I forgot to mention my other favorite thing was that the uh, Cosmic Cheerleader outfit comes in both a men's and a women's I was option. going to say, I saw I saw a guy in a background shot waving at Cosmic Cheerleader. Is that what people call it? That's pretty good. <laughs> that's what that's what uh, Marina Sirtis calls it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why did Yar go from wearing pants to wearing that at the end? But all right, whatever, you know? And the fact that there was some Starfleet guy down on the surface of the planet in one waved in the background. I was like, oh, okay. There was also one... There was also one in one of the hallway shots. Gotcha. He was walking across wearing boots. And I was like, that is our cosplay, Daniel Craver. <laughs> you and I need to admit, you and I need to get cosmic cheerleader uniforms. Ready? Okay. With uh, ankle high oh, boots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got to show off our legs. Do look at my legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really love the growth that has been made as far as the portrayal of gender and the portrayal of alien species working together. All right, all right, all right. Get to the shit. But <laughs> there are just, there are some things. And I blame Gene Roddenberry. I, all the good stuff was our dear DC. All the bad stuff was well, Gene Well, you already, see, you already said all, Q was a Gene creation, so. Yeah, but how he's handled is also well, Gene. Okay, there you go. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> um. My biggest qualm with this episode is it was originally just a DC Fontana episode. And then Gene came and said, oh, the executives of Paramount want me to write this. And so he took it and rewrote it. And she literally had to file a claim with the guild to get co-writer credit. Damn. He sounds like he's yeah. a very difficult man to work with. It It does. I mean, like, so forward thinking, but also kind Would of Would you say deal. he was a powerful mind (laughs) (laughs) i um i have a love-hate relationship with deanna's accent which she does too actually apparently because it was coming uh... and going (laughs) well no i mean they like uh when they originally told her about this part they said she was like what because dialects are marina sirtis's thing she's english okay so she um she was like, what would you like? She auditioned with five different dialects, including Polish. I mean, and Polish isn't an easy dialect. And they were like, well, we want you to sound like you're from Beta Z. And she's like, great, I'll make my own up. And then later, <laughs> when we meet her mother and father, they both sound like they're American. And she's like, what the fuck, guys? Oh, that's, Come there on. There should have been a line <laughs> producer on that being like, so you should probably sound like how your daughter sounds like. Otherwise, it seems like she was raised by your nanny or something. <laughs> Well, and see, after we meet after we meet her mom, she went to the producer, Rick Rick Berman, and was like, um, my mom sounds like she's from California. And he was like, ah, oh, you have your father's dialect. And so six seasons later, when you meet her dad, he also sounds American. And she's like, um, <laughs> hey, Rick, <laughs> the fuck? And he's like, oh, you went to private school. Go to hell. Get out of my office. <laughs> what do you want from me? You got that syndication money. <laughs> yep. But um, there's just... A bunch of little things um they do a really good job of capturing character but there also is just there's this underlying problem because i know where they go eventually and where they go is so brilliant and good that it's just you know i can't be too mad at it because it's their first shot and it's you know there's going to be some swings and misses but it's just knowing where these characters go and how they end up and seeing them here is kind of rough. <laughs> you mean vague? Seeing them as vague? <laughs> everyone yeah. keeps, unless they're really agitated, everyone outside of Picard speaks in the same tone of voice. It's all very pleasant. Yep. And that's just unnerving. Yep. It's just weird. Or I'm like, what's <laughs> what's this like? Did, does Starfleet have like a, a, a vocal pitch and volume policy now where it's like ev- everyone needs to talk like this now everybody needs to just be like pretty chill when they say anything so just you know this is how we talk now because we're starfleet <laughs> yeah because everything's chill and we are now you know in our most laid back time period ever i mean we can have entire families aboard starships because it's not a big deal we're not worried about being attacked no problem. 
and even if we are you know we have an entire section of the ship that can fly away so my other problems are just little tiny nitpicky things like data using contractions which it's established later he can't i mean he cannot (laughs) and you know just little things not knowing the word snoop if it turns yeah. out later he knows how to roll a fat blunt and he doesn't know Snoop, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, I mean, I love Q. I think he's a brilliant idea and a brilliant creation, but I can't understand why the fuck he has purple lips in this episode. Mm, yeah. That is weird. That's super weird. It's like, were you just, it's, it's strange. And Worf's Klingon head is terrible. It gets better. But right now it looks like someone literally took a dead turtle and put it on his head. And I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's just... <laughs> I also fucking hate Zorn. Oh. I just want to punch him in the face. Okay, I, as soon as he opened his mouth, I was like, you have voice acted in everything. I know your I could yes. your voice sounds like my alarm clock, Michael Bell. I <laughs> yes. see you, Michael Bell. Yeah, I know. And Michael Bell is super talented and he did a really great job of making us hate him, but god damn it do I hate no. him. Yeah. No. No. Anyway, that's enough out of me. What did you hate, Dan? Um <laughs> Talk to me. Give me your hatred. If I saw all the dialogue of the courtroom scene, I'd be pretty happy with it. But the courtroom scene was shot in the most bizarre way. I was like, we had really nice cinematography for the first few minutes of this. And now things are dark and in weird angles. And like for a good half of that scene, while Picard is talking to Q, the like top third of his head is in shadow. And not in an intentional, we're in a shadowy space way. He's just like pushed into the into the upper corner of the frame and everything's going dark where i'm like this is this looks amateurish and i don't i don't care for it but it it was the only thing that could effectively distract me from what is clearly a little person in yellow face (laughs) so that was that was something that was less Mm -hmm. than less than pleasant um Yep. I'm gonna hold out hope for for Donna Troy because she's real annoying this first episode. I'm like Deanna. Deanna. Sorry, Donna Donna Troy is a comic book character. I apologize. It's Wonder Girl. Um, so Deanna Troy with an I that I hope she signs with a little heart over it. Um, <laughs> she, she was might. she was real annoying. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But not as annoying as Wesley. <laughs> His POV shot when he came onto the bridge. I was like. Please, please don't make me live in this character's head. I did kids need a kid on the bridge to love the original Star Trek? No, they did not. Do not pander. Don't pander. When kids play Star Trek in the backyard, no one's gonna wanna be Wesley. Everyone's gonna be like, I'm Riker, I'm Data, I'm Worf, and then they make the little brother be Wesley. Like that's <laughs> that's how that goes i it's it's a bad trend yeah that most for the most part we've gotten away from but still it's this weird per- pervasive hollywood sense where you got to put a kid in there so kids feel like they're part of it there was no kid in the original star wars kids loved it you don't need a kid and it just makes me so mad i think i think it was honestly supposed to be a pov character to illustrate the fact that families are now on the ship. I think that was supposed to be the purpose. And Wesley was originally supposed to be Leslie. Leslie. Mm-hmm. Oh god. She, she she was created by DC Fontana and then Gene said, "Nope, we're going to make him a guy because I'm apparently still sexist." Yeah, the three boob thing didn't give that away. Um <laughs> she has to be alien. <laughs> I felt like the mystery of Farpoint Station was really vague for most of it. Like, I'm like, they're not giving them enough information to actually solve this. So this is a weird test from Q. But also, so this civilization 
pops up on their radar is all of a sudden having passed the threshold for uh, the prime directive. They can be contacted now because they've built this incredible base. But everything else on the planet looked Iron Age at best, like adobe, uh, adobo huts. Like the rest of their cities didn't really look like they had much for technology. So, okay, red flag. That's fine. Um, Which yeah, they mentioned. No, that's like I understand the setup for it. Oh, but those goddamn flying buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> Turning into space jellyfish. And I was like, okay. And then the shot of them holding tentacles. I was like, uh, oh, God. Come on. Uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about what we hated. You you handled this thing with kid gloves. But the second half of this is kind of a mess. <laughs> I did. I was yeah. like, "What? What you're did you wrong. want them?" He he was like, "You're so." The first test was, "You're going to be held accountable for the crimes of humanity and how savage and terrible a species you are." So then the test should have been one of empathy, understanding, wokeness, whatever. But instead, it was, "Can you figure out what the station is? Are you smart enough?" It was like that was the test because they didn't well, have to. They didn't. They. All those people down on the planet died, which they just gloss over at the end like it's a dead Kirk twin. They're just like, well, I guess. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Zord. A bunch of your people got wiped out, but that's what you get. Um, that's what you get for being right? an asshole. <laughs> I thought they were. Which is kind I of refreshing. I thought they actually. were going to set up a needs of the many versus the needs of the one kind of scenario, but they didn't go with that. It was just like, oh, we figured out that it's an alien. So we're going to give it energy, and then it can fly away. All tied up in a nice little bow. Wah. I'm like, what did Q want them to prove or learn? There was no clear objective that they were trying to like, oh, have you figured it out yet? Have you figured it out? Like, this will be your test, Captain. Prove how great humanity is. So uh, uh, I just didn't understand what he wanted from them, and it just didn't. It, it was not. It was neither a clear test of intelligence because that wasn't what he was after, but it was. It wasn't a clear test that man isn't savage anymore or that man has come so far. So I, I just most of Q's most of Q's tests are just in elevated thinking. He is essentially he views humans as complete and total idiots and assholes and savages and says that if you can do anything beyond my expectations, you pass for now. Oy, he's going to maybe get on my nerves later. <laughs> nah, he won't. You'll be fine. Okay. So real story. Um, DC Fontana's original episode was only an hour. And then Paramount said, no, we want to do two hours. So that was when Gene came in and said, I'm going to rewrite everything because they want me to. Don't and... you dare give him the DeForest Kelly voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to rewrite yeah, everything I'm because Gene they Rodney. told me to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a producer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the executive producer and a writer from way back. <laughs> I still know how to make clicky type. <laughs> <laughs> Clicky tape. So, all of this extra stuff was added to this episode, and I bet you can guess what was added. Yep. Q mm. was added. Mm. The medical diagnosis of Jordy was added. That, which I loved, actually. That didn't bother me because it felt like, um, it, it felt like just another little setup crew moment, um which was nice. Uh you know, it didn't it didn't really detract, although it was kind of out of out of left field, but not as out of left field as in the middle of this crisis when this ship is shooting down at the planet, Picard decides he's going to take the time to go talk to Dr. Crusher about feelings and and how difficult a post this might be. I'm like, son, there's shit going on. What are you doing right now? <laughs> Someone else take command of the yeah. bridge. I have to go talk to the hot doctor for a minute because medical reasons. Because feelings. <laughs> because feelings. <laughs> I'm sensing. I've got some swelling in my pants. I'm sensing great horniness 
so much <laughs> horniness. I was like, what is, what the hell are you doing? I'm hoping it's a bad edit, but it didn't feel that way. It felt like they were like, and now we need this scene because we don't have anywhere else to put it because we didn't think and put it earlier. Um, it, that bugged the ever-loving shit out of me. I was like, that you are, you are kirking it up right now. This is not great command. <laughs> it was, it was a bad yeah. edit. But yeah, I mean, the one thing that I forgive Gene for is that he also added the Bones cameo. Okay, that's, which, you know, uh, unnecessary to the story, but very necessary to to the hearts and, and minds of any fans because you needed someone to pass the torch and it sure as shit wasn't going to be Chekhov. No. <laughs> Although Leonard Nimoy would have been, I think, the logical choice, but... Well, he was, and the, he approached him, and Nimoy said, "Absolutely." Nimoy not. was like, "Nope, I don't put I don't put this these ears the on air. for less than six figures, bitch." <laughs> this was still his "I am not Spock" mm, stage. Gotcha. I mean, he was doing the movies, but he was trying to distance himself from. Gotcha. This was his "I am not Spock," but then there, then he quickly got over it and became "I am Spock." So. Um. Speaking of random asides, I uh, while I, I liked uh, the way the new ship works and Riker being shown how the galaxy class functions, how you can find anyone on the ship, which I'm like, that's a creepy invasion of privacy, but okay. Um, that girl, the girl who showed him was thirsty. <laughs> she was looking at him like, <laughs> oh, you're the new first officer. Hi. Yeah, I'll show you how it works. It's so easy. You're, you'll get it right away. You seem super smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. they, the way they set up, I think they, they did a really good job establishing Data and Riker. Um, and everyone else, they gave some establishment too, but not a whole lot. Um, and Picard had sort of a distance and an authoritarianism about him that I appreciate in a captain, but it didn't let us in too much until he was like, don't let me make an ass out of myself in front of children. And I was like, that's a really weird <laughs> fear is, to bring up with. Which is one of my favorite lines in all of canon. And I'm like, same, Mr. Pickard. Same. It was, I was like, that's a really weird fear to like upon first meeting of your first officer be like by the way i uh i i i was made fun of a lot in school as a child and i i just don't like other children so keep <laughs> <laughs> i never i never compensated for it and i've done my damnedest to stay away from children my entire life so, so. <laughs> don't let any kids around i love and i i love hated when he was like get that kid off the bridge do you want to sit in my chair but don't touch anything <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that about i was like you're being a little that's him making an ass of a little, himself little bipolar there picard well yeah i mean that's just it is interacting with children you have to have a little bit more of a softer touch than you do more fellow mm -hmm. adults i would never say that was fucking stupid to a child but i would say that to you any second of every day wait you would never say that to a child like how okay what's your no. threshold like how old is a child what is the old what how old do you have to be before you'll say that was fucking stupid to someone okay i mean uh like tweens and preteens down are children to me teenagers are teenagers and they are an entity all their own and i would say that good to a i that i agree once you are 13 my i will use uh, I'm I'm I recycle some lines from my parents. I'm sure you do the same thing. Things your parents said to you growing up, where you're like, "Yeah, I get it now." And my mother loved to remind me that Alexander Hamilton was in charge of a naval vessel. He captained a naval vessel when he was 13 years old. So if he can do that at 13, you can hear me tell you you're being stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. You are not authorized to access this facility. Oh, well, Cameron, I think we should quote this. I think we should. I think we should start. How old do you think I am anyways? 137 years, Admiral, according to Starfleet Explain records. how you remember that so exactly. I remember every fact I am exposed to. So. I don't see no points on your ears, boy, but you sound like a Vulcan. No, sir. I am an hmm. android. Almost as bad. 
I thought it was generally accepted, sir, that Vulcans are an advanced and most honorable. They race. are. They are. A damned annoying at times. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a new ship, but she's got the right name. Now you remember that, you hear? <laughs> I will, you sir. You treat her like a lady, and she'll always bring you home. Now that is concerning. Do you find yourself superior to us? I am superior, sir, in many ways, but I would gladly give it up to be human. Nice to meet you. Pinocchio. Pinocchio. I'm like, oh god, a, a joke. It was a little, uh, a, a little on the nose. intriguing. I thought Data had a really good line when he said, "Prejudice is very human." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so good. one of my favorite favorite lines. What the hell? Children are not allowed on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, my son is not on the bridge. He merely accompanied me on the turbo lift. Your son? Your s- <laughs> His name's Wesley. You saw him years ago uh, when... Well, as long as he's here, I, uh... I I knew... I knew your father, Wesley. <laughs> he looks in the mirror. Some say I still know him. <laughs> and then Dr. Crusher <laughs> shakes her head No. <laughs> No, no, no. It's not no, ready no. yet. Don't, don't tell him. Don't, ta- don't talk about the thruple. Um, <clears throat> Lieutenant Worf is right, sir. It's security key- chief. I can't just stand here and let... <laughs> She's interrupted. By yes, God. you can, Lieutenant. <laughs> uh, permission to clean up the bridge, sir. <laughs> uh. Were you going to fire a hole into the viewer? <laughs> Oh, God. I'm not a family man, Riker, and yet Starfleet has given me a (laughs) ship with children aboard. (laughs) Really? Exposition more, sir. (laughs) (laughs) But it was good exposition. It it was okay, but it was definitely a weird thing. One further thing. It wasn't ring-ding. It wasn't the worst of Star Trek exposition we've had, but it was very... You could see it a little on Riker's face, be like, this is a weird thing to bring up right away, but okay. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't the usual ding, ding. Why, hello, Daniel Crary, <laughs> my best friend and podcasting <laughs> husband on this beautiful snowy day in Wyoming. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, it wasn't quite, it wasn't <laughs> quite that bad, but it was... Uh, oh, sorry, the full quote is, and now a personal request, sir. Permission to clean up the bridge? <laughs> <laughs> Yasworth yes. and Yar Queen. <laughs> uh, Captain, you may find that you are not nearly clever enough to deal with the with what lies ahead of you. <laughs> Let's see what this galaxy class starship can do. <laughs> he calls that a little adventure. I do love <laughs> that their viewer screen now has a montage setting. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that nice? Also, I think the reason that Troy was so annoying for this episode is that they have her say everything twice for some reason. We don't know why. We don't know why. But she says, we do, sir. We do. And (laughs) yep, gratefulness and joy. Gratefulness and joy. (laughs) She's going to have to worm her way into my heart because good golly, Miss Molly. Um she's she's got yeah. it don't you worry about it uh i really also enjoyed my favorite my favorite line was during the courtroom scene when picard says you've got a lot to learn about humans if you think you can torture us or frighten us into silence i was like I think I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a good one. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> You're getting there yeah. already. <laughs> Captain, that thing was killing my people. Was there a reason? It is unknown, Captain. Isn't that enough? If you'd earned that uniform you're wearing, you'd know that the unknown is what brings us out here. Wasted effort considering human intelligence. Inquiry. The word snoop. Data, 
How can you be programmed as a virtual encyclopedia of human information without knowing a simple word like snoop? Possibility, a kind of human behavior I was not designed to emulate. I was like, <laughs> so he doesn't know the word for like rage then? What is rage? I do not know that word. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's kind of a weird programming language gap, but we'll see how it goes. Well, his creator was very human and very biased, so ah, you'll see. Ah, ah, make it so. He said that. Make he didn't it say so. shut. He didn't say he did. shut up, Wesley, and he didn't say Earl Grey, or T Earl Grey hot, but. But he also did say come instead yeah. of come in. He come. says come. <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought you were the. What do you want in your face? Come. <laughs> Apologies, I thought you were the doctor. <laughs> Still a little Sean Connery. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, but I'm, I'm, gonna I'm, on board. I'm gonna work on. <laughs> what the hell? That one, that one, I got. Like his exclamations are <laughs> Captain's Law. Yeah, Captain's law. like a bad Sean Connery is a good Patrick Stewart. I just need to find it. I just gotta find it. I'm gonna work on. I might. Data's easy. I think I got data pretty well. I gotta work on Wharf, and and the subtlety of a Riker. Because it seems, he seems soft-spoken. He seems like he's very interested in everything around him. He seems like he's uh, sort of a muted Kirk, you know? Yeah, it's true. So I have a question for you. What did you think of the overall chemistry of these people on this first episode? Ooh, too early to tell. Too early to tell. I think there's, uh, there's a good dynamic between... Crusher and Picard, and there's a good dynamic between Riker and and Data, and Data and Picard, and Riker and Troy. But everyone else was just kind of isolated, so I don't I don't have a good feel. Yeah, and I mean they haven't really had a chance to get together right. yet. But uh, it'll be an awkward first orgy. That's what I'll say. It'll it won't be. Yeah. <laughs> it'll take it'll some take time. some time. It'll take some time to appreciate everyone's individual abilities. <laughs> oh no so many horrible jokes just went through my head and i can't say any of them um this this cast still to this day adores each other they are all the very best of friends mm. and they they um they are the only crew in starfleet history that i mean in star trek's history that doesn't fight that doesn't feud and that doesn't quarrel that's why there have been no documentaries made about the next generation because it's all too chummy mm. <laughs> but uh they i mean you can watch their appearances together at um cons and at all kinds of things and they just still love each other and apparently got into huge trouble in season one because they they are very professional when the camera is rolling and all know their lines and deliver and do their stuff but like immediately when the camera is off basically just jerk off and laugh and have fun the entire Aww. time and so that it's hard to tell here but the more you <laughs> the more you watch the more you will notice that deep level of friendship and that deep love that they all have for each other well i'm excited to see this crew develop and i'm interested to see how characters change because i know it's early um, and there is there is those stumbling blocks in the first season of the original series. I think that Spock and Kirk are right there with each other from day one. Um, but it took a while to really form the triumphant, which I'm thinking this it time did. is going to be Picard, Riker, and Data. It actually just depends. That's the wonderful thing about this series is that the triumvirate changes a lot and it's just as believable and likable no matter what form it takes well i still don't know who's in charge of engineering and that's going to bother me but we should probably rate this puppy. well <laughs> that's because there's going to be a death soon and then someone we know and love will get to be chief engineer do we know them and love them <laughs> no yes okay well you don't love them yet but you do i know them not personally. Is it that con guy? Oh, no. Okay. 
All right. <laughs> no spoilers. Oh, Cameron. Oh. How many... I'm sorry, I have to do it. How many purple butthole jellyfish would you give this? <laughs> sorry. Giant purple butthole jellyfish. <laughs> giant fucking purple butthole Such jellyfish. Such a weird transformation. It was so strange. I was like, ah, oh, cool flying saucer. That's a jellyfish? So does it maintain <laughs> the halls inside once it turns into a space jellyfish? I don't... Whatever. Yeah. It's like, are those just... Are those your veins that carry space? Right, were we were we through walking your through your ventricle there? What was happening? <laughs> Do you literally just eat space? Nom nom nom, delicious space. <laughs> oh, I couldn't have any more. I've been uh, I had so much space last night. I mean, it's nice that there's oxygen in there too. Maybe that's a byproduct of eating space. <laughs> anyway, I would give this three and a half. It's. It's by no means perfect. And this first season is by no means perfect. But the seeds are there. And I mean, I think they did a really good job of doing a decent pilot. So three and a half giant fucking purple space anuses. Yeah, I'd give it I'd give it three. Well, there we go. Fantastic. I guess, uh, you know, we go. (laughs) That's all that's all we have to say on the matter this time around. But um we will be back with the next episode The Naked Now. Oh boy. <laughs> oh damn. Oh so no. Excited. Oh no. It's the Naked Time Part 2. The Nakeding. It is the Naked Time Part oh, 2. Oh <laughs> god. N- Nakeder. <laughs> more naked, more problems. <laughs> Mo naked, mo problems. Oh boy! Well, it's a nice, it's a nice. Setup. I I hope that we get to the mirror universe soon because that I'm excited for. Uh, woo! Well, I guess that just leaves one last thing for me to do, and that's for me to tell you all to have a great week and make it so. Oh God. <laughs> so, don't just have a great week make uh, it so keep on <laughs> trekking well and he's not even yelling he's, he's stern. I mean he's raising he's his very, voice but it's very, very stern very authoritative in a way that feels like he's a little more a little less space cowboy a little le- a little more space captain you know he's very he seems he's a little more von trap you know yep wharf <laughs> yara <laughs> troy riker laforge data crusher Random guy they just called Khan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. A Secret Weapon Production.